The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Hey everybody, just a couple notes before we start this interview with Sam Benjamin. At the time we recorded this, I just bought some new hardware and my Skype updated, so we had a few technical issues that day, which led me to have to chop the episode up and re-record some parts and put it back together. I think it's still a fun interview and definitely worth a listen. I just wanted to warn people there are a few glitches here and there, and I am aware of them. The other part is this is labeled as episode 196. But I have since given up on the numbering order because due to conflicts and airing dates between Geekish Cast Live and us working out the schedule on that show, plus as I bring the interviews in, some things have gotten misnumbered along the way, and I am trying to fix that by not numbering them in the old system. So this is actually episode 197, according to the old system, but I'm going to be renumbering soon with the start of a quote-unquote new season to get things back in order. With that being said, we're going to get, play a short commercial, and then we'll be right back with Sam Benjamin, creator of The Few. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, episode 196. Joining me today is the creator of The Few, Sam Benjamin. What's happening, Sam? Hello, everyone. Um, it's a pleasure to be back on. Well, it is my pleasure to have you back on. So tell us what you've got going on with The Few these days. So we are launching the Indiegogo, or we have launched as of when the podcast is released, the Indiegogo campaign for season two of our award-winning British sci-fi superhero web series. It's called The Few Dark Future. And if you go to at The Few Series on Twitter or at Sam Benjamin now on Twitter or Instagram, you'll find the link. We've got some great perks. we got signed copies of the script, on-set visits. we got some... Special thanks credits. We got, um, you know, video thank yous, lots of really cool stuff. So have a look. And, uh, yeah, we're looking for the fans to help us make a second season that's bigger, more expansive, with more action, more epic characters, and to really get our teeth into a British superhero universe. Okay. Well, before I get to a more serious question, let me ask you something kind of silly. Go on. Are any of your donor gifts or donor rewards a commemorative rogue detective domino mask <laughs> i knew it was coming i knew as soon as you started that little thread i knew that was coming um uh the domino mask situation is becoming quite a controversial one on on the geekish cast i believe um <laughs> but i will say that i don't want to reveal anything but we do address uh the domino mask history I guess uh, we do touch on it in the story of season two. Um, I'll just say that I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay, well that's that's fair enough. 
Sam, tell me a little bit about the fundraising side of this and what that looks like as you kind of, what are your goals? What are you stretching for? What are you trying to get to? Say what it's going to be just yet. Um, it's it. I've, I mean, it's kind of in a, in a ballpark, but it depends on certain final like script changes and a few like crew and cast things. And then we're going to once now, if you go on, it, it'll tell you how much it is. Um, but it is in the, in the ballpark of, it's basically a five figure song, but I'll say that, but go and have a look and see what our perks are. And, uh, I mean, it's, I'll put it this way. It's low budget for the for the uh, amount of content we're making, um, very low budget. So we still are very much indie spirited filmmakers that are gonna really make. Oh sure, make, and, and and the reason yeah. I was asking that is I always like to kind of keep in mind that what you guys shoot things for nowadays as indie filmmakers, twenty years ago wouldn't have covered the cost of film or processing. Oh no no well I mean yeah to you know to put it in perspective I think. I was doing the research today, and um, I think one Game of Thrones one-hour episode has a budget of around ten million. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's very much in a low-budget region. It's definitely going to be, you know, a low-budget affair. But we'll make uh, we'll make the the pounds and the dollars stretch further than the big dogs do. Well, yeah, and that's kind of the advantage to being a filmmaker today. Over, uh, you know, I assume you guys record digitally. I guess oh, no, it's all black and white, all on film. We're going legit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> legit indie. Legit indie. Yeah. Um, it's all going to take yeah, place no. at a 7-Eleven or a Tesco's or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Te- oh, there, there you go. A black and white Tesco movie yeah. shot on film. Oh, that's that's going to be my next one. Um, no, yeah, we are going to do digital. Although, having said that, it is a dream of mine to be in a movie that is shot on film. I think it would be... Um, I hear actors say that, especially young actors that haven't done it before, when they do do it, there's something quite magical about it. <clears throat> but yeah, we're going to be shooting it, I believe, on uh, there'll be a combination of Sam Bradford, the director, likes to use uh, red cameras and Ari Alexa cameras, which are you know some of the top-end digital cameras these days. Okay, so now I'm going <clears> to <throat> kind of get into this. I'm going to nerd out a little bit. I've always been interested in filmmaking, but I've never wanted to actually do any of it because I wrote one script for an idea I had for a superhero web series 10 years ago and then realized Ooh. I knew nothing about actually making anything at that point and then got in over okay. my head. Well, my idea was, yeah. it was it was very simple. You have a superhero team, but you never see them doing any actual superheroing. Mm-hmm. It was just okay, them kind of, cool. yeah, just them kind of hanging out, being a bunch of assholes, and that it was, was. It was it was a bit um, Kevin Smith. A little, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit, yeah. But um, so when you do this, when you're setting out to create something like this, obviously, well, now you write the, do you write the scripts yourself, or do you have a writing team? How does that go? So yeah, for this one, um, Sam Bradford and I, uh, we co-created the characters and the, the kind of the universe that it's in. Um, for this season, I've I've written the screenplay. So, yeah, I am the screenwriter on this one. Okay. So you get an idea. We're going to do – so I assume, <laughs> and you can kind of walk me through. You have an idea of the story you want to tell, right? Yep. And then you go, we're going to do it in a total of 60 minutes broken up into 10-minute pieces. Correct. Okay. So now you sit down to write it, and mm-hmm. – you, I, it sounds so easy, doesn't well, it? Well, it, it doesn't It doesn't to me because I'll stare at a blank page for a year and a half without ever putting a word down. So it doesn't sound easy to me. 
So you sit down to write it. So how do you know that these story beats are going to be in this 10 minutes? And how, how do you pace out the actual 10 minutes at a time when you're sitting down to write something like this? Well, that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, as, as I said uh, to you before we started recording, um, the, the standard thing is if you're writing in screenplay format, one page is one minute. So that's your guide in terms of the, the duration of the show. In terms of this one, what I like, to, different writers work differently. What I like to do, and I, I wrestled with this for, I mean, you, you just said a year and a half. We released the first season of The Few February last year. Mm-hmm. And now in October 2018. So I've been wrestling with this script probably for about a year and a half. Um, deciding where we can go and, and part of the process of me as a writer is with this one particularly because it's like a sequel is you kind of have to write down at least in note form every possible avenue that you could go down with the characters in order to work out what's the wrong path um, and then work out what the best path or your favorite path or the most bold path is um, so there's a lot of I don't actually write the script until I know the whole the story I start small what is the general arc of the series and then I expand it what is the arc of each episode and then what is each character's journey of each episode and then I kind of I'll write what the action is of each episode in terms of what actually happens and it's not until I've really bedded all that down that I sit down and start writing you know fade in internal cafe London um, you know Jamie Scott enters blah 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 so um, it's a long process. It's a long process. Oh, sure. And I guess so when you do this, now you've got, what, four, three, four main characters that you follow in the few? Yep. Yep. Do you focus on, I, I don't want to get too technical here, but as you're doing this, does each episode follow like a one or two person lead, or how do you break that out, you know, making sure everybody's story gets covered? Yeah, this was actually quite a tricky element of it. Um and I've actually been, I've learned a lot because I've just finished uh, my first official screenwriting job. Um, I got commissioned to write a TV pilot, an original TV pilot. Oh, congratulations. Liverpool. Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, it, it's an original TV pilot called Liverpool 81. It's a, it's like a witty, a witty kind of Liverpool answer to Baz Luhrmann drama set in the 80s in Liverpool in the north of England. Um, but on that, with the company I was working with called TCN. It's a production company over here. Um, I met a lot of producers and a lot of script consultants and story editors, and I've learned a lot about how a series is constructed. Um, so I've, I've, I've kind of applied a lot of that. But, yeah, with The Few, I think it was, in terms of each episode, hmm, I'm trying to work out what exactly. I think, in the end, it was once once I land on the central story i guess there is a there's a central story or a central piece of action at the beginning i guess i mean they call it the inciting incident don't they but something happens at the very beginning that sets events off and then that central event causes the other characters to then go through their journeys as well and then so as long as i stay true to the initial thing that sparks it off then you should, or I think you should end up with a with a really, you know, maximized arc of a story by the end. 
Okay. Um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about the characters in your story. Uh, <laughs> give us a little background on them and let us know who is going to, who we're going to be following in the few dark future. So, I mean, an easy way to do it would be for listeners to do the few, uh, sorry, youtube.com slash the few. Mm-hmm. And you can check out um, all the episodes of the first season. Obviously, it's a quick watch, four minute episodes. Uh, there is a complete cut that we put on YouTube, which, you know, it's about a 25 minute watch um, to catch up. But yeah, essentially, the story the story is about three working class Londoners who acquire superpowers after enlisting in a medical trial and they're all broke and they want a bit of extra cash. And then uh, for their troubles, they get endowed with these very dangerous special abilities. Um, and the character I play is a young former cop turned rogue detective who discovers these superpower beings and realizes that some of them are doing very bad things and they need to be stopped. Um, the second season picks up six months after the finale of our first season, which was the finale of the first season. I'll, I'll let people watch it, but essentially it's a big climax where the main characters come to a head. Um, so we, the season two, I've decided to, thought it was really cool to just drop the audience into six months later where the characters have changed and have different circumstances as a result of the finale of the first one, but we don't know exactly a hundred percent what those nuances are. And there are some changes. And as the series goes on, you'll discover why those changes have happened. And there's also some secrets that come out midway through. And there's a new villain that comes in that kind of sparks up a whole other element that pushes the characters into a new scenario as well. So there's, there's a lot of cool things going on and, there's a, obviously, it's going to be a lot more epic with it being longer episodes, and we've been able to tell a much more full story. Okay. Let me ask you, as a storyteller, screenwriter, as an actor, uh, you know, as somebody who, who does, you know, storytelling, basically, I should have stuck with my original term. <laughs> How do you feel about dropping the viewer into a world where they have to learn as they go compared to putting everything on the screen and not leaving any room for personal interpretation or nuance? I love it, is my answer. Um, I am of the opinion of um, treat the audience like they are very quick, very smart, and that they want to do work. <laughs> That's my kind of my go-to. I like to um, not confuse, but I think... Uh, me, oh, it's just it comes down to what you want as an audience. I mean, whenever I'm watching something, I like to I like to be the detective, and I I don't want to be spoon fed. I want to have to figure things out, and and also there's an element of rewatchability as well that comes with that. Um, you know, filmmakers in terms of the modern you know uh, filmmaking, like Christopher Nolan, who you know often they jump timelines and move the narrative quite quickly and expect you to keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of there's a I get a big kick out of that, and I think I think also yeah people are smarter than you think, and in terms of on a very simple level you know when you read, you know some people ask me to as a I mean I'm I'm young in the game I've been acting professionally for nine years I've been writing for eight years, um, but younger writers might send me a script or ask me for feedback on a scene and a lot of the time it's like you don't need to explain everything, in in real life we are very economic with information if we can. If, we, if I can communicate something to you with a look instead of a, a word, I'll do it. 
if I can communicate an entire speech in a sentence, then I'll do it. So I think that's, I get a kick out of that and trying to make things, you know, and also having that little twinkle in the eye of, you know, let the audience work it out. And also the audience, you know, people come up, especially in the sci-fi world, people come up with the fan theories and, oh, well, they did that because of this. And oh, obviously this happened to them. And you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of juice out of that as well. Yeah, I I don't like the films that treat the audience like they're stupid. That always bothers me. And I don't know. Are yeah. you familiar with the movie Highlander? I am. I, I don't know it really well, but I I've watched it a couple of times on VHS with my okay. dad when I was a kid. But yes. um, it's not one of the ones that I know super well. That's okay because I'm I'm just going to use a real quick thing. One of my favorite movies as a teenager was Highlander, and he's got a character that helps him run his antique store. And you can tell that they have a very deep bond, but you don't know what it is. Well, about 15 years ago, they released the extended cut or director's cut, and then they go and show that he saved her from Nazis. And I didn't need that. I, I understood oh, what their connection was. It. Yeah, and I, I understood what it was, even though I didn't see it on screen, you know? Yeah, and, and obviously, but, you know, that's an interesting thing from an acting point of view, because the fact that the actors obviously knew that connection um obviously influenced yeah the uh, performance yeah, yeah the yeah. performance was informed by the story piece that we didn't need to know you know yeah, yeah. Agree with that. i'm gonna have to track down that uh i'm gonna have to watch it again but not not the extended edition right yeah just skip that there's two scenes in there that are ridiculous and i think they <laughs> even i think they even shuffled the order a little bit so it's even off-putting and disorienting when you see it um How? Mm -hmm. Who directed Highlander? Uh, his name was Russell Mulcahy. He was a um, he was an MTV uh, video director before he did that. That was his first movie. Oh no way! Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look him up. Yeah, it was uh, it was I you know again one of my favorite movies, but that gets us a little bit too far off track there. Okay. So, <laughs> but but let's do this. Let's talk about your influences a little bit. I mean, obviously yeah. you're doing. You're doing a superhero story, but in the UK, often the superhero stories are closer to a sci-fi story than they are necessarily here in the States, where a superhero story is kind of its own standalone genre now. Who were some of your superhero influences as far as any form of storytelling, movies, TV shows, or comic books? Um, the go-to, my, my way in will always be Batman, um, the Tim Burton's Batman 1989 movie um, is my favorite movie of all time ever since I was a kid watching it on video when I was way too young to watch it and the Batman animated series the cartoon in the 90s um, which I think has influenced a lot of storytellers of this generation um, I just thought it was I mean the show won Emmys and beat live action shows mm -hmm. uh, for awards um, and I still go back to it now in terms of comic books I think I, I don't know whether we spoke about it last time but um I always tell the story that my dad, when I would go to my dad's on a Saturday um, in his uh, little flat, he would, whenever you'd go to the toilet, there'd be a row of comics down the side of the toilet. Um, so there'd be, you know, there'd normally be a Wolverine, a Judge Dredd, 2000 AD, a Punisher maybe, and then some Batmans, maybe a Daredevil. Um, so the, those are the kind of comic books influences so I guess they, they'd be my main ones. And then obviously I've watched, you know, a lot of superhero movies and things. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of the crime genre as well. 
you know, like the gangster movies and uh, the old school Hollywood movies um, that, you know, my nan exposed me to when I was younger. And just, um, well, as Vincent Jerome, one of the cast members of The Few, calls it, just cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. A good fashion cop and robber story. Um, so, and I think that's why Batman has always resonated with me quite a lot. You know, it's that theme of justice and, and you know, doing good and what is the right thing to do and helping someone else and helping someone else not through selfish means and all those kind of juicy themes. Um, so they'd be my main ones. So what is your favorite gangster movie of all time? I mean, I don't know whether, is this a gangster movie, but the, 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 one of my favorite movies, which I guess is, um, and it's actually a director that is one of my all time favorites is Carlito's way. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah. That's, um, even though Scarface in terms of the Brian De Palma, um, Al Pacino combo seem, it's, it's the more flashy, more revered it seems. But for me, Carlito's way, it's one of my all time favorites. I just think the mood of it and the, the kind of the, the noir voiceover and, you know, the man who's, got the dark past but just trying to get out and, and he's like through the whole movie you can taste that that new like new life that new chapter he can taste it it's at his fingertips but he constantly gets getting pulled back um yeah it's really gorgeously shot as well i, I think that'll be my favorite if you can qualify that as a gangster I, I think you could i absolutely think you could uh the the right answer that i was looking for was goodfellas oh. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean obviously that's a that's an absolute classic. Yeah, um, yeah I love Goodfellas. Um, Scorsese's got a lot of uh, great movies in his in his uh, filmography. Um, yeah, just really the he gets those performances in Goodfellas. The thing I love about Goodfellas is none of those characters are redeemable, and yet you still watch <laughs> and kind of root for them. You know what I mean? You're yeah. still kind of hoping Henry Hill gets away with that load of cocaine in the car, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. There's something, yeah, um, yeah, that's it's a good pick, I gotta say. Yeah. It's a con- well, con- yeah, the reason I'm asking that, have you seen the Joaquin Phoenix Joker makeup yet? I have. What do you think? I'm Ooh. intrigued. Um, I think. There's something about, I mean, my, my, the, the movie I thought of when mm-hmm. I, I saw the lineup in terms of the casting and um, the producers involved and things, uh, it made me think of King of Comedy, the Robert De Niro Scorsese movie from 93. I, I don't know whether you've seen I it. don't remember that one real well. I, oh, I probably may, I may not have seen it. It's one of those ones that not a lot of people. About the king of uh hang on is it oh my god it was it's way older than i thought it's um 1982 the king of comedy scorsese directed de niro starring uh, jerry lewis is in it and um it's i've never seen this i have never go, seen this go see it and listeners go see it it's some pe- people a lot i know a lot of people that think it's it's scorsese and de niro's best work um it's basically about a failing stand-up comedian that holds a network hostage and forces them to put him on the air to do his act. I and, don't know how I've never seen this. This sounds yeah, amazing. And, yeah, and, and so um, 
my my I think with the with the Joker, I think if they because the King of Comedy has got I mean obviously everything influences everything, but I think King of Comedy has a a bit of a Joker influence on it, and especially if you know the the comic book the the Killing Joke mm-hmm. that origin joker i think if they lean into the king of comedy then hey i'll go for the ride whatever the makeup looks like um i wonder whether that makeup of the shots that have been leaked or released is actually the final makeup that he's gonna have um but yeah man i mean why not well if you're gonna do a joker movie then why not try some new stuff out do you know what i mean what did you think um i okay i don't know if you guys know who john wayne gacy is over there he, doesn't ring about me. Okay, he was he was a murderer, uh, uh, teenage boys and young men, and uh, buried him under his house. He was a contractor, but he was also a guy who met like President Carter's wife because he was a J, he was an active JC's guy. He was also a clown who did children's parties. So okay. when I when I saw the Joker makeup, I immediately thought of John Wayne Gacy. Wow, and, I'm gonna look him up. Wow. Yeah, and um, it also made me when I first saw it, I thought it was a Photoshop because I thought somebody had just repainted uh, Keith Ledger's costume into different colors and put the head on it. And okay, then I, okay. but then I looked at it and realized now that's a that's a non-composited shot. That's something he's actually wearing. So what I got from it, I just got a grimy, dirty, nasty murderer feel, but also a a throwback to The Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. I mean, I can see what you mean about the tailoring. <clears throat> um, it's very much in line with Heath Ledger's um, Joker. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but it's, I'm, I'm interested to see what Joaquin Phoenix brings to it. Definitely. Um, I'm interested to see. I think they are going to... Because isn't... Is De Niro in it? I don't know are if he is, but Scorsese is uh, producing. Yeah, I'm, which which could be that could mean he's totally hands off, but I have a feeling it won't be. I've got a feeling that that Robert De Niro is going to be in it. I have a feeling, which which is why. Yep, he's in. He's in. Yes. He okay, that's interesting. So I, I didn't think, know. Yeah, so I really do think that they are they're, they're they're going for that king of comedy vibe. I mean, if that origin of the Joker is a failing stand-up comedian that's just trying to trying to provide for his pregnant. Uh, girlfriend, I mean it's tragic. Mm-hmm. So it could be it could be something really, um, and also quite wow. What's the other film I'm thinking of that you've got the theme, a similar <clears throat> running theme of kind of just being just losing, losing. You know, uh, oh, what, what's the film where he says I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Network. That's it. Yeah. That kind of, you know, the the media and capitalism and consumerism and just the frustration that you know just a guy who's trying to do the right thing isn't getting the rub of the green so yeah i mean i'm game the joker's probably the best villain ever written so i'll see any movie yeah well (laughs) and you know the one thing and you've said before that you weren't as hateful towards like the batman versus superman or that you know, DC extended universe. The further we can get away from Jared Leto's Joker, the fastest I, I'm kind of oh. on board with. Okay, see, I, I actually, I, I you know, here's the thing. I I could see what they were trying to do. I understood it, but my buddy Joe, who co-hosts the live episodes with me, pointed out the Joker would never tattoo the word "damage" to his own forehead or let it be done. He doesn't see himself as damaged. 
Oh, okay. Now that's a good. That's a fair point. That's a fair mm-hmm. point. Um, I just thought <clears throat> my perspective on it was, um, it made me realise that, and I love, I love Heath Ledger's interpretation of the Joker, but for me, um, the jo- it reminded me that my kind of Joker um, should be more of a criminal than a terrorist. Um, that's what I loved about Jared Leto's Joker. He was. He was a clown prince of crime. Oh, yeah. He was like the Suge Knight, you know, <laughs> yeah, version yeah, of the Joker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I like that he was blinged and he was well-tailored and well-groomed. And, um, yeah. So it was just, but the character the character is infinitely... Um, <clears throat> I mean, my, I'd love to see a Joker that nods uh, more to the Jack Nicholson Joker as well. I got it. But yeah. I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to start watching Gotham because a lot of my friends have said that they're doing some very cool stuff with the Joker character in that and nodding to Jack Napier Joker, the Jack Nicholson version as well. I don't know whether you've checked that out. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I gave up on that show like the third episode of season <clears throat> one. Yeah, but apparently it's got, apparently it's, it really, because apparently my friend, the way he put it was he said midway through the first season, they just threw the rule book out the window and thought, hang on a minute, we're doing a comic book show in a gothic city, let's just do what we want. And apparently, you know, it's really just taken off from there. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll give it a second look. Sam, we are getting ready to wrap up here, so why don't you throw us all your social media and websites and all that so people can know where to find you and where to find out more about the few dark future? Great stuff, yeah. Thank you for the tee-up. So um, the few dark future is the second series of... Uh, the Few, which is on YouTube at the moment, you can watch that now. Um, but if you go to Twitter at The Few Series or on Instagram at Funiverse or find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sam Benjamin now, um, and there'll be a link there to the Indiegogo campaign. We need your help to make the second season. Um, so take a look, we've got some great perks on there. Um, and we really appreciate all the support. Um, so yeah, take a look and feel free to drop me a line or if you want to ask any more questions, then hit me up and yeah, help us make it happen. Fantastic. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Sam, thank you for coming on again. I do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure. Yep. So for Sam Benjamin, the few and myself, Jeremy Vilmer, bye bye everybody. <laughs>